Hello and welcome to Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today, I am absolutely delighted to bring you Richard Crook from Dazzle. Richard, how are you? Yeah, good afternoon. Lovely to be here. Likewise, likewise. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Look, we've had a little chat beforehand uh, and you guys are doing some really, really interesting things in the subject place and subject matter that everyone's talking about at the moment. I'm sure there's no accident and, and purely by design that you're in a space that, uh, that seems to be the, uh, the hype moment of 2021 and beyond, and beyond. We'll get into loads and loads of context about that later on. But uh, before we do that, tell me a little bit about your background, if you will, and, and what you guys are doing over at Dazzle. No, no problem at all. So I'm Richard Crook. I was the former head of um, emerging technologies at World Bank of Scotland. I spent 20 years in the in the investment banks. And my team and I stepped out of, of Royal Bank of Scotland, NatWest now, uh, because we could see the ICO bubble coming through. Um, and that bubble, although it burst, showed everyone that there was a new way of raising capital. And actually, the securities market was about to start uh, going through yet another revolution. And the securities market, or capital markets, um, continues to be rev revolutionary. Um, and, and this is no, no different. There's another one coming through. This is where we're, we're digitizing um, the securities. Uh, and from that perspective, we set out to build a piece of software, uh, something we call Dazzle, which is an adaptable solution for the future of financial services. It helps our clients bring to market uh, their digital asset vision, um, be it a cryptocurrency, an NFT, or, or actually some sort of digital security. You're right about those sort of waves, aren't you? I mean, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be said about the bravery of what you were talking about there. You know, working for OBS, uh, you know, Bank of Scotland, there's, there's obviously a lot of security in the position you were, you were holding over there. The ICO bubble bursting, as it, as it were, there was so much hype around that, and there's so many different people who are running at that, and all, all sorts of... You know, chaos that went around that sort of that sort of space that then led to, you know to, to, to people moving away from it as quickly as they ran to, you know ran towards it and, and a number of the sort of, you know failures that came through from, you know, from that did you feel it was a bold move moving into that what was what gave you the confidence to, to run when others you know run at it when others were running away from it and and what gave you the confidence to know that you know, this next wave and the adoption that we've seen recently has come into that I, I find that fascinating so our focus has, has always been on the securities market um, yeah and for those that are trying to make a quick, quick buck uh, or duck dive or weave the, the regulation, that's not very interesting to us. Uh, our best clients are those that are regulated. Uh, they are looking to uh, raise uh, creator security, um, be it debt or equity, and they're looking for a solution and the confidence that, of a team that has uh, been building mission-critical uh, financial systems uh, for, for a long time. And that's where, from our perspective, uh, we could see that actually... Uh, there was going to be an initial, and there continues to be in the crypto space, uh, lots of waves of, of, uh, of excitement. But actually, the real prize for us has been uh, private securities. Uh, and for us, that has always been the size of the prize. And we focused on that all the way through this. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's uh, sort of sticking to an area which you believe in and, and, uh, and building around that. And look, innovation has been at the core of what you've been doing. We've seen a lot of traction around the, the sort of crypto bridge you built for Zinfin. Uh, and, you, and you turned uh, you know, some quarter into a hybrid network. Tell us more about it, how it works, what you're doing with that, and what the motivation behind all that is. Yeah, so from, from our perspective, uh, Digital Asset Shared Ledger, or Dazzle, um, has a crypto bridge. It's one of the core features uh, of that. Uh, it, it's there as, as a piece of software to, to make blockchain easier. Um, a lot of people who are growing up on, on different networks, be it Corda, Ethereum, uh, Zinfin, and they are looking for a piece of software that will actually evolve 
with these networks so that they're not endlessly having to upgrade as the as the networks upgrade. And one of the things we built was a crypto bridge, which provides that elusive interoperability between uh, these leading public blockchains. And in this case, we've been working with one of our great clients, Zinfin. Uh, they, they run the XTC network and they wanted to bridge XTC network into the quarter network um, and the public quarter network. And, and we worked and have been working with them uh, very successfully to, to create that inter interconnect. And again, this is one of these uh, great examples of, of using Dazzle uh, to, uh, to, to work across multiple blockchains. And that, that sort of uh, ability to do that, where did the, where did the idea and the thought process come, you know, come from? When I've, when I've been speaking to people over the last couple of years, you're usually speaking to people who are frustrated with the system and, and see an opportunity to make things better and think, right, I can do that myself. Talk to me about that, that sort of option. You, you, did you see, see the problem first or did the, problem sort of, you know, did the product evolve to the problem? Oh, as always with this, there is a, uh, an iterative game between market and product. Um, I would say that certainly with this type of market, because it is evolving so rapidly, you build a product in the hope that the market will come to you, which is a, a tremendously risky adventure. Um, and in fact, we've been uh, gently pleased that uh, we've stayed ahead of the market in, in terms of the functionality. Uh, as long as we stay ahead, we're able to delight our clients uh, who, who come to us, who are asking for things that we've already built. Uh, and that then gives them the opportunity to use Dazzle uh, to solve the problems. And that's how we accelerate to market. Fascinating, isn't it? And, and look, you're in a, in a space, as we said, that is, is much hyped at the moment with some interesting things. You guys are obviously innovating and creating you know, those solutions for people. As, we, as alluded to before, cryptocurrencies and DeFi has been talked about for a long, long time. Uh, there's been, you know, as we say, numerous hype cycles of, of its, you know, its genuine adaptability in, uh, you know, into the marketplace. How is it actually impacting right now the securities, you know, securities trading in, in, in reality? So I think what we've been watching is the creation of private currencies. Um, we call them cryptocurrencies because that's the technology underneath them. But they're in a sense a private currency. They're not issued by a state. And that is obviously one form of money. But the bigger forms of money are things like debt and equity, securities. And although we've dematerialized public securities, um, which is near completion now, it's held in large stock exchanges, CSDs around the world in each jurisdiction. Um, the majority uh, of the six and a half trillion dollar private security market, so those are shares of, of LabFast and Seven or, or, or yourselves, um, those are private. If you wanted to sell your shares, that would be, uh, it remains opaque, inefficient and illiquid. Um, so the opportunity to digitize those private securities uh, offers an opportunity to digitize the ownership of those trillions of dollars in assets that actually creates a new ecosystem, allowing secondary trading. So some of the benefits of what you expect from an Apple share or an IBM share, which is publicly listed, is now coming into the private uh, shares and debt. Uh, of private companies, which which is tremendous. Absolutely, and I think that, that there's there's um you know staying on the theme of, of of adoption and opportunity within this marketplace and how you know the this 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 tech has been mooted for a long time to be able to you know transform the industry and add real value. I, I remember I'll, I'll go back six years, maybe five six years, and we held an event and and there was talk about it and it was saying right okay we're we're way ahead of the curve you know blockchain is going to be mainstream very very quickly. This is going to be something that changes the industry. It's going, you know, it's cross asset class. We're going to see more and more 
uh, different, and it's going to be a completely new you know, field. It proved, I think, to be a lot more complicated than people thought. People thought it was going to come there. I remember at one stage, there was a stage where it's going to be right, be mainstream within 10 years. Then it looked suddenly it was accelerating towards two, three years. Now it seems to have stagnated a little bit again. People are working out its actual uses and, and recognise the opportunity, but for failing to sort of really bring it into the mainstream. I guess in a similar way to, to cloud technology about the, how long it actually took from the obvious, you know, what seems obvious now to be adopted, particularly in the financial services sector, but beforehand, I, I can I absolutely believe this is something that's going to come through. Sorry to, to do it, but you know, with blockchain shaping the financial services, is 2022 the year where we see that uh, really coming to the fore? I think this is a much slower uh, burn, uh, just as you allude to. If we look mm. at how long it took us to go from sort of paper to electronic, that was a multi-decade uh, conversation, um, and actually. The move to digital securities is, is again, going to be multi-decade. Uh, we're now five or six years in uh, to that, that conversation. Um, so we're only halfway through the first decade. Um, if we get through the majority of it by the end of this decade, then, then I think we do, we've done well. Um, it, it's worth recognising that we think of Apple, sorry, Amazon starting in 95 and Google starting in 97, but actually majority of the population weren't on the internet until 2005. It, these, things, these things take a long time and people forget. They, they, they see a hype. They see, see all the vision. Um, it's worthy of recognising that all of the big businesses you see now, all the novel new ones like Netflix, were envisaged back in the early 90s when yeah. the internet first kicked off. But the internet wasn't ready to be able to deliver that. And the same is true of blockchain. It's going to take uh, uh, a number of years for the technologies to be able to support some of the business cases that we're, we're, we're hoping to uh, to put onto these uh, onto these blockchains. So, what does that mean for you know? For, for, so, as, as, as people are sort of continue to probe and investigate and innovate, you know, with, within it, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, obviously, you know, to be faster, better, quicker. Um, you know, more effective, support customers more and more. Uh, how much time can people actually sort of you know, in, invest in this? Uh, so, you know, uh, whilst, wait, whilst waiting potentially for another decade for it to be mainstream? It depends what you're waiting for. Uh, if you're waiting for a, uh, a central bank digital currency, then that is a multi-decade play. The central, mm. central banks don't move quickly. But what we are seeing is astute financial institutions uh, are offering clients easier access to these, these private markets um, using digital securities. They're, they're reducing sort of on average 40% the cost of issuance, post-trade settlement, and the asset servicing. And they're realizing that actually a lot of the benefits they have in the public securities market, they can now deploy on the private securities market. And so some of the platforms, some of the ecosystems that we're seeing um, spring up um, and the NFTs is a really good example. The NFTs is, is a great space to see the, the rapid growth because it's not regulated. So they can uh, very rapidly um, evolve and grow to show what's possible. But there is no reason why you can't create a digital security in the same way you do with an NFT and have it trade, present dividends or, 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 or bond yield. Um, and that for us is, um, is, is really what we're looking for. Uh, which is the, the digitization of, of the security space. Digitalization having had so much traction through 2020 and 2021, has that has that sped things up, do you think? Has that been helpful to the to, oh, to the, to yeah the, we should we should we should obviously separate the two. When 
a lot of people are still digitizing their front ends. So uh, mm. a lot of the financial services industry, you know, still hasn't digitized its uh, its offering, moved it over to a website, got it onto an app. So there's there's tremendous amount of work already on the front end of uh, how you and I interact with these financial services. Um, but that that essentially is lipstick on a pig. Monzo uh, <laughs> issued pink debit cards, but there's no, there's no, they haven't improved the back end of the, of the banking system. What we're talking about here is actually improving the back end of the, of the banking system. Um, and actually, how do, we, how do we change how money is moved, how money is traded, how money is priced? Um, that's really what we're, uh, what we're interested in. That's been that's also been sped up though, hasn't it? We've seen a lot more innovation, a lot more. Um, you, you used inter- you know, the word interoperability earlier on, which seems to be very much the mode jour of the last uh, last couple of years. So much more compatibility, so much more appetite. I think for efficiency that's been in that. Is efficiency what's driving this? Is that what you're saying? Actually, innovation is. Um, the 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 banks were drowned by a tsunami of regulation in in 2008. Um, yeah. So the the traditional financial services sector is. Is sadly not very innovative, and is as I say drowned in this in the in the regulation. On the other side, uh, the crypto space or, or DeFi um, has uh, created a hotbed of innovation, um, and actually, what we are seeing is innovation driving regulators and the traditional finance uh, uh, participants to, to to sit up and, and recognise that over time these two are going to merge, and you're going to see this. It's hotbed of innovation merging with this conservative, overly regulated uh, traditional finance, and the two will become one uh, over over a good number of years. And, and look, the natural sort of, uh, you know, I guess, fear slash question about that is, you know, the, the reg- regulation isn't something that, that, that is eluded um, at, at various different stages. Said it beforehand as well that uh, you know the lack of regulation has allowed you know uh, growth within it. We talked about you know, NFTs and, and, and such like and, and how that was able to great, gain traction so quickly. With the, the fear of regulation coming in there and, and uh, sort of strangling that innovation, is that a real fear or is this something there where, where the scale and, and I guess the ability to morph of of uh, of tech in the space allows that to continue to grow at the pace it has been. Regulators are very keen not to stifle the innovation. Mm. They're also very aware that they have over-centralized because of the use of database technology. It's very easy to point at somebody and say, you're in charge, you must conform. And those centralized uh, actors are very important to the regulator, uh, be it the bank, or the stock exchange, they they have a have someone to go and uh, enforce the rule book on. Um, what they're now discovering is actually people can build systems which don't have a central actor, um, and that's confounding the regulators as they try and work out how best to serve their their stakeholders, which are the retail investor. Um, how do they make sure that the markets uh, operate and continue to operate efficiently uh, and effectively? Um, and that is what the regulator is there for. So uh, from the regulator's perspective, this is a challenge um, and they are trying to balance off ensuring that the rule book is uh, implemented, which you know, is what they should be doing and what uh, everyone should be uh, conforming to. But on the other side, they don't want to stifle the innovation uh, because they, from their, their perspective, the innovation might, might bring easier ways of regulating. The future's bright. We've got an exciting 2022 ahead of us. 
that's pretty much it. <laughs> so listen, there's uh, you, you've spoken about some of the, the the cool things you're doing, and there's you know, there's a lot of opportunities within that. Tell tell me, people listening to this, who are the sort of people who should be reaching out to them? How are you going to help them, and how do they get in touch with you? So from from our perspective, as I say, we we talk to uh, uh, startups um, who are uh, looking at. Uh, using digital assets, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, uh, and, and they need to get to market quickly. Um, you can come to our website at dazzle.io, D-A-S-L.io. Um, or actually, uh, we've got other clients who are incumbents. Um, they've already got an established business, um, usually a financial service uh, first services firm. They're regulated. And they, they can see the fusion of traditional securities market and the digital assets uh, that are driving the capital markets over the next decade. And they and they want to reach out and they want to start their journey. And again, you can reach out to us at the same website, dazzle.io, and uh, we're more than welcome to uh, to talk to you. Super. Listen, let's finish on Dazzle. We've established an exciting space. You've had a hell of a journey so far and an exciting one in, in a short space of time. What the appetite? What's next for you? What's exciting that's, uh, that's coming up over the next 18 months or so? So for me, the biggest innovation that we're seeing is in the AMM space. So this is an automated market maker difference between OTC trading at one end where you've got a broker simply providing price is, is part is a mainstay of the financial system and on the other end is the exchanges who are running an order book um, and again are, are a mainstay of the of the financial system in the middle is a the new concept of automated market making which is providing a new price discovery mechanism over um, slow or thin uh, instruments and, and I think that for me has been um, the innovation of this year, uh, I recognise it's been around for a while, but uh, that's the one thing that has come mainstream this year, um, and that for us will be uh, will be something that uh, uh, we'll see coming through over the next year. Fantastic! And give me one hope for next year. What, what's what's the sort of big hope for you in in uh, in twenty twenty two? Certainly, from our perspective, we'd like to carry on seeing convergence um, on the tech side. Um, and actual fact, I'd like to get to a position where we're not talking about the Ethereum's or the Corders or the Hyperledgers. And in fact, we're not really talking about blockchain anymore. Similar to, similar to uh, when we learn how to buy a book over the internet, we stopped talking about TCP, IP, um, and no different to when we worked out, we could uh, pick up our phone and it told us where we are on the surface of the planet. Nobody cares about how GPS actually works. <laughs> uh, and the same is true of blockchain. Uh, my hope is that, you know, they come this time next year, we're, we're not really having a conversation about blockchain anymore. We're having a conversation about digital assets and digital securities. All right, so lovely. One one last thing to finish on: that you've been uh, on a journey from from corporate to you know to startup and, and making a good uh, good uh, good journey of that. If there's one bit of advice you can give to someone who's on a similar sort of trajectory, or someone who's uh, you know going through those early phases of, of a business, what would that bit of advice be? So, uh, as you come out of corporate life, um, you will. Uh, undoubtedly trade uh, trade an equal amount of frustration with working in a large corporation, corporation for the anxiety or equal amount of anxiety of payroll and, and cash uh, cash flow. Uh, there's no doubt that you will discover that, that you've you've made a trade in that regard. Um, what we tend to find uh, certainly when when talking to uh, to people that are coming out into this space um, and having been a poacher uh, turned gamekeeper. Um, in, in this regard, um, be aware that um, it's a two-year sales cycle to sell a piece of software to a large brand. And, and you're attracted to the large brand because if you have the large brand on your website, 
you kind of made. Um, it takes two years to, to sell in. So you better have enough cash runway to be able to make that sell. Recognize that at any point during those two years, someone, uh, the person you're talking to, could roll off and then you'll restart the sales cycle again. Um, and therefore, it's um, and, and executives you know, tend to have an average life inside a corporate of three years. So it, it is likely that you will uh, reset your sales cycle once more. But the, the lining or the silver lining to that woeful tale is mm-hmm. that actually, as one of my great bosses pointed out to me, once they're inside the bank and once they have been established, it would take us 10 years to get rid of them. Even yeah. if we started, even if we started on the day one, so it, it is a worthy prize to go after, but you have to recognise how long it takes to uh, to achieve it. I'm so glad you said that because I see it as the downfall of so many different businesses. You've got great ideas that fail to actually being you know to, to have the runway uh, and the foresight to recognise that sort of complaint of procurement. You know, there's a lot of people who sit there and say, oh, the, you know, the banks are this, that, and the other. You can't change it. It's a procurement process that's going to be there. Uh, it's maybe sped up a little bit and, and been improved a little bit, I think, over the last 18 months or so in particular, but it's still the bugbear of many companies. But if you're there and you're thinking about that, you look at the sponsors in that, you know, have multiple sponsors within within, you know, within that organisation, have all your due diligence in place and put all the best process in place to understand that, which is, the, you know, I guess, the benefit of the poacher turn gamekeeper. You know, to, to plan for that properly is something there, there which I think it, you know, I'd absolutely echo is a, is a fantastic thing for anyone who's listening to take away from this and, and a great way to, yeah, to end the show. Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really excited about what you're doing. I do think it's, a, it's an incredible space and, and you know, fair play to you for, for recognising that, running at it and, and doing some immediate action and impact onto it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate talking to you. Tony, it's been, been a pleasure. Look forward to coming back again. Likewise, and thank you all for watching. We will see you soon on another episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks so much.